you're absolutely right. But at the same time, I also believe strongly that volumes on these decentralized exchanges are only going to grow. Well, that, yeah, that's assuming the pie stays the same, right? The amount of transactions. Exactly. It's not so, a zero-sum game. Yeah, so exactly. as more capital comes into the space, which I think it will, and there's more trading volume, um, it'll get offset, right? So I think the yeah. opportunity is going to be there definitely for a while. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't know about 10 years from now or, or even five years from now, frankly, but I think over the next few years, um, it's definitely going to be there. And all has to do with volume. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Shahar Abrams here with me, and man, he has got a story like I can't wait to dive into. So Shahar was a former blockchain industry professional with IBM. Uh, he actually led their enterprise uh, blockchain deployments. He's one of the few people to straddle the traditional enterprise blockchain world and the more well-known public blockchain space, also referred to as crypto. Uh, after years of perfecting his investing strategy in ethos and crypto, Shahar retired from IBM and get this, the age of 29. So he started Road to Babylon in order to help share his no-hype principles-based approach to investing in the newest and most promising asset class the world has ever seen in crypto assets. And so with that, uh, Shahar, welcome to Money Talkers. Thank you, Cody. Great to be here. Listen, uh, this is a hot subject. I would say it's a highly debatable one as well. So I'm excited to jump in with you because I think the exciting thing for me to talk to you about is you actually understand the technology behind these instead of the hype train, which I think is where a lot of the bad press is coming from. And so if you could, can you kind of lay out like a little bit of your background so that we have a flavor for what your uh, role in developing these technologies was? Yeah. So um, for a while, I was kind of, you know, on a data science track at IBM when I first started. And that was really as a result of just not knowing what I wanted to do out of college, uh, which I think is true of a lot of people, you know, and you kind of just, for me, you know, I, I went into consulting, um, you know, for that reason that I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I was <laughs> well, hoping to figure it out. I'm know, sorry, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at that because like most people don't figure out what they want to do and they go dig ditches or work at their dad's like roofing company. You're like, I was a data scientist for IBM and I had no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> well, yeah, I sort of stumbled, stumbled on that. Um, I don't mean to cut you off. That was just, that kind of cracked me up, man. So, <laughs> no, all um, good. so I mean, I, look, I, I did all that stuff before um, yeah. as well. The, the service industry jobs, the subway publics, et cetera. Um, but by the time I got out of college, um, I was, you know, I was trying to get more serious. So, yeah, I went into consulting. I had no idea, you know, what was going to happen. And I stumbled, you know, I think quite literally, you know, onto um, the technology, which is, you know, known as blockchain. Um, 
broadly uh, in 2017, and I just kind of fell hook, line, and sinker for it. Um, and the concept that really got me about this tech is its promise to kind of bring trust back into the internet and into kind of society as a whole, right? And it was a problem that really kind of nagged at me, you know, that this problem of, you know, it seems so hard to trust, you know, what, what you saw online, it seems so hard to trust other people online. And there was, there's a lot of, of friction involved with, um, with that, um, that I didn't quite realize at the time. But um, so, so that really kind of spoke to me sort of philosophically uh, from the beginning. Um, and, you know, I, I uh, so I spent a lot of time just learning, uh, um, and, you know, I, I found, you know, the guy that was in charge of blockchain in um, uh, the sector of IBM that I was in, which was the federal consulting uh, sector, so doing projects for the federal government. Um, and back in, you know, 2017, 2018, it was one guy. Um, so I tracked him down, I bothered him for uh, several months, and then eventually he, you know, kind of capitulated and, and brought me on, um, and I, I began. So what I was doing is, um, I, I was really like a project manager. So I was working hand in hand with developers, with architects, as we kind of built these, you know, designed and built these systems from the ground up um, for, you know, various um, very large, you know, agencies in the federal government, you know, and we were doing kind of pilot programs for them. So, you know, they were very sort of cautious about jumping into new tech as the government, you know, usually is. And so our, you know, my job was actually to educate um, you know, the government, you know, our government clients and various government officials about what the tech is and what it can do and what it could do, you know, specifically for their business. Um, so I was really on the, what we call the enterprise blockchain space, um, which is different from, you know, cryptocurrencies, crypto assets. Um, you don't, you know, invest in enterprise blockchain networks. They're kind of private, you know, business, business networks um, that are focused on improving, you know, business processes. Uh, but I was always fascinated, of course, in the uh, hype side of it, right? The, crypt the, the public cryptocurrencies and crypto assets. And so I kept, you know, going deep um, on that. And, you know, I just have, have um, progressively gotten deeper and deeper <laughs> every year until now, you know, I'm, I just do it all day. So when you say you do it all day, what do you mean by that? I mean that, um, well, in addition to my, you know, uh, business that you mentioned, Road to Babylon, which is focused on kind of education within crypto and personal finance. Um, I, you know, uh, research, you know, crypto. I run a meetup group here in Atlanta. Um, I'm part of kind of the local community. I advise, um, you know, very, I advise individual investors as, as well as more sophisticated investors, the hedge funds. Um, I may soon start working <laughs> as a professional investor uh, in the space. Uh, retirement hasn't quite worked out for me. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, that's literally what I do. I, you know, and, and this industry moves so fast it, you know, there's never a dull moment. So, you know, I'm, I, I love to constantly go in, try new, you know, applications that are, um, you know, in crypto, right. And, and play around and just keep learning. I mean, uh, it, it, it's always fun. So I want to pick your brain on two different parts of the things that you kind of picked up out of there. And so, uh, because I believe that they're very different uh as far as subjects when they get i think they get lumped in together so you mentioned that one of your main focuses is on the education side of it and so where do you start with that because it's almost 
I, I have gone into a bit of a rabbit hole just trying to figure out what people are talking about, you know, and figuring out about what mining is. Like, I had no idea what that meant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so my idea was that like, we're all doing some sort of uh, geocache on the internet, like looking for these things and doing all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I found out to be very different, obviously. Um, but can you kind of start from like a layman side of this thing and explain on not necessarily the enterprise side. I'd like to ask some about yeah, that a yeah. bit later. Um, but really kind of if you were if when you are going into your first, let's say, uh, uh, Shahar 101, right, classroom, and you're going in to educate people, and you're going to have this hour talk, like, where do you start with on your education portion of it? Absolutely. Yeah, I, what I really like to start with, and I've been doing this for a long time. And I think what the best thing to start with, I think is, is sort of the high level concept of you know, what is this and why do we care? Um, and, and I think the answer to that, you know, how I like to explain it now is, is think about the internet now. What we have now is, is colloquially kind of referred to as the internet of information, right? And on the internet of information, what we figured out how to do, why it's the internet of information, is we figured out how to move information peer to peer, very seamlessly at almost zero cost and permissionlessly, right? What that means is that you don't need, you know, to have a government ID or, or you know, you don't need to have a bank account um, to send a text message, right? Wherever I am, as long as I have an internet connection, I can send a text message, I can send an email, I can send to anyone I want if, if I have their phone number or their email address, right? And, and I can do that basically for free, all right? And, and that happened to all sorts of information online, right? And so what that did over several years, and we're still dealing with it today, right, is it disrupted every single industry that mediated an information, right? News media, the postal service, um, you know, telecommunications media, TV, all, you know, almost everything, you know. Um, so now I would say, I would say it actually also got the local guy, right? The expert, right? Like right. the, the guy who's yeah. been, you know, he's been a painter for 25 years and all of a sudden you can watch a DIY video and learn his tricks that he's known. He had to learn through apprenticeship and years yeah. and years of hardship. Absolutely. You can watch a YouTube right. video now and pick it up in 10 minutes. Incredibly powerful, you know, right? Incre incredibly yeah. disruptive as well. Um, so, yeah. And, and I think we're dealing with this now, how, you know, the Internet of Information is disrupting education and schools and colleges and all, all sorts of stuff. Right. Um, so. With crypto, right, what, what crypto has sort of given us is kind of the next evolution of that, which is what I like to call and others like to call the Internet of Value. Mm. And so now we, we've moved. What, what crypto allows us to do is it gives us the technology to be able to actually send value on the Internet um, trustlessly, without permission, at near zero cost and to anyone that you want. Right. So just like I only need your email address or your phone number in order to send you information data. Now I only need your wallet address, right? A string of characters, just like a phone number, a unique kind of string of characters. Um, and I can send you value, right? I can send you money. I can send you, um, you know, a, an insurance policy. I can send you art, right? I can send you anything that, you know, kind of has value, right? And, and again, all I need is an internet connection. I don't, I no longer need a bank account. I no longer need an ID. Okay. I, um, I mean, sometimes you need an ID, right. Uh, to comply with, uh, you know, banking laws and, and that, that sort of stuff. But 
the point is I can do it um, without permission, right? And at almost zero cost, right? So just like the internet of information disrupted all of these industries that mediate information, the internet of value is disrupting and is going to disrupt probably over the next 10 plus years, um, every industry that mediates in value. And when we, you know, step back and think about that, that that's quite, you know, um, uh, uh, huge, right? Uh, yeah. Because almost every business, right, it, it acts as a value intermediary in some way. The entire financial sector, all they yeah. do is intermediate value. And that's yeah. why, you know, some, some of the um, first, you know, biggest applications we've seen on the crypto internet of value have been decentralized finance applications, right? They're, we're literally rebuilding the financial sector to exist without intermediaries, where now you can, you know, you can be your own bank, right? You can get a loan from a peer, right? Without any sort of banking contract, it's all online. So that's the concept. And, and you know, and, and when people say, oh, you know, it's too late to get into crypto, think about it that way, right? The internet of value, we are at the very beginning of this, okay, I promise you. Um, and it, you know, more and more exciting stuff happens every day. Now we're starting to move you know, art, we're, we're starting to take art and like actual, you know, uh, uh, physical goods and move them onto the internet of value, right? And uh, which allows us to not only not only move them uh, seamlessly from peer to peer, but we can build applications around them. Like we can literally program um, art pieces, we can program money, we can program real estate, right? You can program a piece of art to every time it gets sold, it gives you a royalty, right? As the artist, you no longer need a copyright, you know, uh, uh, agency, you no longer need a record label, right, that you have to pay out of uh, out of your share. Okay, so that's now, now, notice that nothing I said, you know, was technical, nothing was about, you know, how it works. Yeah. I'm happy to get into that. Um, but I but that's where I like to start, right? I like to start with that concept of this is what's going on. And it's a long form kind of trend. It's the next, it's going to be the next version of the internet. And, you know, I, I think in several years, you know, we'll all be using blockchains, you know, all of the kind of websites and the, and the uh, transactions, you know, for a value that we do on the internet, will move through black blockchains and, you know, people won't really know or care, right? Um, kind of like they don't know how the internet works right now. Exactly, exactly. You sign up and you got it. And then you're, exactly. you know, yeah. So you're going to have some interfaces that come in and make it nice and easy and super dumbed down. And then we just sign up and we have it, right? Yeah. But it's going to be way more efficient. And uh, I, I wonder if like right now, because you talk about like the internet and I, I remember like, uh, <laughs> I kind of remember there was a, there was like a, a USA Today or no, a Good Morning USA thing. And they were talking about email. Like, have you ever seen that clip? And shit, they're like, we've sent an email. And they're like, you know, and it's like, it was like this old, like mid nineties clip. And they're like, what is that? And they're like, it's an electronic mail. And they're like, people say it's the future, but we don't think so. And it's like, no, we're going to keep using the post office. You know, and it's like, they're like talking about those things. And I, and I remember, you know, it was really, really messy, you know, with you've got the AOLs of the world and you had like before that, like people don't remember there was um, the browser wasn't, you know, wasn't Internet Explorer. It was uh, something Scape. I can't remember the name Netscape. of it. Netscape. Netscape, yeah. right? And it was like they were just dominant in there and they were doing all this stuff. So like I kind of feel, you know, with blockchain that we're in this like messy piece of like, you know, the entrepreneurs it's more like i feel like a lot of times more like more of the tech guys have kind of grabbed it and right now i feel like the entrepreneurs are starting to come in and say okay you guys made something really cool let me show you how to use it and how to sell it right like how do we solve the problems with it you guys made this awesome tool 
but how do we use it as a, as a problem solver so that, you know, the local bakery can use it or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of like those kind of things. Is that kind of where you see us at? Like in the, if we're in a nine inning game, like where do you see, what inning do you think we're in? Oh yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think we're in the second inning. Yeah. You know, maybe the top of the third. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, that that's exactly what's happening. We're, you know, I mean, we have so many entrepreneurs in the space and more are coming all the time. Um, you know, and, and uh, new things are getting built and, and it's starting to get, you know, that way, right? Like at the beginning, you know, all these applications people were building, you know, they weren't being built by business people, right? They're yeah. being, being built kind of by developers. And, you know, so they didn't have it. Like you said, they're very messy. They're clunky. They didn't have great, you know, user experiences or interfaces. Um, and we're starting to mature from that, I think. Um, and, and it, but it will keep happening, you know, over, yeah. over the next several years. So that's like, I, you know, I, I, I've built a lot. I just I built my last business based on internet and, and, and going, I went into the RV industry, which had very poor internet representation at the time, you know, 10 years ago. And we made a fortune because we went in and we became kind of a, we, we all I did was copy the basically what the car dealers were doing, but nobody was doing it in that space. And so I used to have to talk to the, the website developer. And then I had to talk to the designer because they could not speak the same language Right. And so I kind of feel like there's some of that going on right now where like there's these guys that are coming in and they're saying, okay, we got this super cool thing. Look at all the bells and whistles I can do. I'm like, well, this guy over here knows how to make it look really pretty. And then you've got people in the middle kind of, you know, saying, okay, let me show you, let me try to speak both sides of that language to make it into a business. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing that a lot. Like I said, I think, you know, a few years ago, I don't know that I could say that, but yeah. Now, you know, it, it's happening a lot, you know, the, the, um, you know, that the money flowing into the space is really incredible, uh, especially this year, um, you know, if you want to go Google, you know, VC money coming into crypto or, you know, fun, you know, fundraise it, you know, fundraising rounds by crypto companies, you know, this year has been record setting. Um, and I, you know, I think we'll break the record next year, or, you know, again, you know, in the next few years. So when you, um, when you use it as crypto, you're talking about blockchain technology though, right? Not necessarily crypto cash, like crypto coins and stuff. Yeah. So, so when I'm talking about crypto, I'm talking, I think specifically about the public blockchain infrastructure, right? Because so when you create a blockchain, right? And a blockchain is just a special type of database, right? Just a special way to record data where we can all kind of see it and share it and verify it. Okay. It's like a, le- it's like a ledger, right? It's like an online. Yeah, exactly. that was the way, that's it, why someone explained to me was like, it's a basic online ledger, but the ledger is in unlimited amount of places. So no one can go in and erase it and, and just, and, and right. The thing about, you can think about it like a big uh, Google Excel sheet, right. Yeah. That you share with everyone, except that every time you make a change, like there's a bunch of cryptography happening in the back end that, makes sure that, you know, if, if any kind of change is made, we all know, right? Yeah. And you can only kind of add on to the end of it, right? You can't change things that have previously happened because the cryptography, you know, prevents you from doing that. If you did that, it would break the chain, right? Um, so, so that's exactly what it is, right? And, and the, the difference, you know, when we talk about private blockchain versus public blockchain, it's just about uh, two things, right? Who can who can um, see the ledger, right? Who can add things to the ledger um, and who can, yeah, I, I, sorry, who can add things to the ledger, right? And who can um, make sure, participate in validating, you know, the ledger. 
right? So in private blockchains, the answer is, well, it's only who we say it, it is because say it's a business, right? It's, it's Walmart's supply chain, right? For food. You know, not everyone needs to see that. And certainly not everyone should be making changes to that ledger, right? Yeah. Only the suppliers and Walmart, et cetera, people in their business network. But when it comes to something like Bitcoin or Ethereum, a public um, blockchain, public cryptocurrency, anyone can make a transaction, right? If you have some Bitcoin, you can, you know, send a transaction to the network to send your Bitcoin wherever you want. Um, and, um, and you mentioned this earlier, the concept of mining, which is the answer to the question, well, who gets to um, create new trans, who, who gets to validate the ledger, right? How, how do we know it's all trustworthy? Um, and the answer there is also anyone, right? So you can go start mining Bitcoin, right? You buy some hardware. And when you're mining, right, what you're literally doing is you're solving um, tough math problems to basically prove to the network that you're trustworthy. And you prove to the network that you're trustworthy because you've literally expended a certain amount of computing power, right, to where um, the, the network knows that your economic interests literally are aligned with the network. And so that's how we know you're trustworthy. So I want to ask it even more dumbed down than that, because sure. when I went down into this, I was like, okay, people are mining. What does that mean? Like, cause you know, they're like, Oh, China's cracking down on mining. And then you got these guys going to Scandinavia and there's water power and they're using all these different things. So I kind of dove into it. And basically what I came up with was it was taking almost like a computer and dedicating it to allow other people to use it almost like a server. Right. And it's so that you were you were using when you say like dedicating your computing power to them like there and then there's an there's a there's an amount kind of set aside or generated of the of the assets and they're allocated randomly. And now there's kind of mining farms where, you know, a thousand of us might put all of our computers together and use them. And then there's a there's probably a percentage of allocation coming back. So like, let's say if Ethereum's worth two thousand dollars, they might issue six of them. So that's $12,000 worth of it. And it goes to those thousand people. So everybody gets 12 bucks, like, or whatever your amount is to put in there. And that was kind of what I came up with as I was looking through this. And I was like, well, that makes a whole lot more sense than me thinking that I got to sit in a dark room and try and crack math codes all day long to, you know, or like sit next to a hydroelectric power spot or like, you know, they've got these, these giant deals. And it's like, I, you know, and I know that's a very, very rudimentary way to put it. But it's the one that kind of made more sense to me as I was going through it. And I thought, man, I, I don't know. It looks like to me, I love passive income, um, but I haven't been able to figure out the, uh, the, the you know, long-term viability of being able to do that because I love real yeah. estate. And it kind of seemed like it's almost like a technology real estate. Yeah, it's sort of like that. And you, you brought up a really good uh, point, you know, to realize, you know, that the concept of mining and how these things work, it, it's, you know, really beautiful and also really complex because it kind of goes back into game theory and economics and this kind of thing. And part of that, a big part of that is what you mentioned, what we call the mining reward, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to incentivize people to help operate the network, that's what miners do, um, the new issuance of the cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or Dogecoin or whatever, um, is rewarded to people that mine um, on the network. Um, literally, you know, listen for transactions, right? When you make a transaction, there's a miner listening for it, taking it, packaging it into a block to attach it to the blockchain. Um, and that's the easy part. The hard part is 
um, to prove to the network that they're trustworthy, right? They have to do all this computing power, which is why you need all the hardware and stuff like that. But as a reward for doing it, right, you get um, crypto, right? The, the crypto of the network that you're mining in. And so, but um, on top of that, though, there's there's software that does all that stuff for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's not you're not so, you're not sitting there like trying to crunch things oh, yeah. and improve and write code and do all you, stuff. You'll it's download much some. Yeah, yeah the, the software is all open source, yeah. right? And that's to promote, you know, um, uh, allowing anyone to do it, right? So, th so that's the easy again, the easy part. You know, you go download the software, yeah. um, you run it on your machine, it'll do all that for you, absolutely, and it'll and you'll have a wallet where your new crypto will automatically go to when you mine. Um, and I have several friends that do that, right? I, I've never done it. It's not really my um, type of thing. Um, it, it can be a good source of passive income, but you really have to calculate, you know, what are your energy costs? That's your number one input. Yeah. Um, that's going to depend on where you are. And then what kind of hardware can you get? How long is that hardware going to be good for? Because a lot of time the hardware, you know, in this industry kind of deprecates quickly because uh, you're using it all the time. And because, you know, better hardware comes out, right? So you yeah. have to take that into account. So it really is like a business, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a kind of passive income generating business. But you got to think about it like a business. You have CapEx, you have OpEx. Um, you got to make sure those things line up. You have to make some assumptions about what the price of the crypto is going to be that you're mining, right? Because that's what you're getting paid in. Um, and so, you know, it, it's super interesting. Uh, it, I think, you know, I would love to talk, start talking about uh, passive income in crypto because I think it's incredible. There are lots and lots of ways uh, you can earn it and um, a lot of ways that are, at, frankly, much easier than mining. Let's do that, um, right. man. I this what's one of my favorite subjects in the world, yes. and so I I one hundred percent believe that if we can get younger people and younger people to prove into passive income. Now, I would like to preface this though: if you would please, as we go through some of the options for doing this stuff, kind of also talk about the risks to it. Absolutely, because Absolutely. I think that there's a lot of credibility issues with people. You know, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times a, a week somebody sends me some. You know, you're gonna make. Some guy told me yesterday I was going to make 4% a day uh, passive income on my investments. And I go, dude, if you put $1,000 and in two years, you have $2.7 trillion. Like you don't understand math at all, but they're making these giant promises of yes. stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, and it, but you know, if you, if you have 9% a year for your lifetime as a kid, man, you end up in a multi, multi-millionaire, you know yeah. what I mean? But with very few money, with very few uh, dollars invested. And so I believe there's lots of opportunity, but I also want to kind of, I want to caution it to like, I'm very skeptical on the risk side of things too, because yep. I hate the over-promise in the industry. I think it's causing a whole, I, th I think it's doing the same thing like 98, 99, when it was like pets.com and all those things were like, it's the internet, it just makes money. And you're like, and then it just all blew up because it wasn't actually making money. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so if excellent. you could, man, let's I mean, start with a couple of points. I'm, yeah. I'm really glad that you said that because that, that is something I try and do, you know, in all of my classes and education, et cetera, is, um, you know, talk about the risks and talk about, you know, what, what's realistic because, um, because you're absolutely right. Um, and, and, uh, and everything I'm going to tell you is stuff that I am doing or have done. I think yeah. I am doing actually all of it now, all these different things. So I'm going to give you three different, I'm going to give you three different ways. Okay, that awesome. you can earn strong, consistent, passive income in crypto, and they're going to be um, from least risky to most risky. Okay, okay. now, the, so the least risky thing you can do is you can take your crypto, you need to have actual crypto. So don't buy it on Robinhood. Don't buy it on E-Trade, right? Go, get, get the actual crypto where you have a wallet where you can use it, you can send it, right? Like, like I mentioned, 
So I, one, um, one, one part right there though. So when people say, I ah, just go get a wallet, like what, where would, where, where would be somewhere that's more reputable or well, more trusted in there? Because I think yeah. most people are terrified that they're going to, they see these stories where it's like, Oh, I had a, I had 40 grand in crypto and somebody just took it. And there's like, yeah, well, where did it, so, you know, so where'd it go? One that I, I mean, the, the easiest one for me to recommend is, yeah. is Coinbase, um, Coinbase pro. Um, so Coinbase pro is, is free. Um, it just has, cheaper fees than Coinbase. And honestly, Coinbase should funnel everyone into there. I don't know why they don't. Um, but Coinbase Pro will give you, even though it's an exchange, um, they give you a wallet, which um, you can use to send your crypto, right? When you buy it. Um, you can also make your own wallet. Um, but like you mentioned, you have to be a little more savvy on the security and make sure you don't lose your password, your private key, right? Um, so, so, but the easy one to do is, you know, Coinbase, if you're buying crypto for the first time, I say go sign up with Coinbase. It's free. Um, it, it's free to move money into there. You'll pay very low fees. The fees are progressive. They're not flat fees. Um, so they're a percentage. Um, so you can get started with any amount and they will give you a wallet, which you can then use to send your crypto to some of the places I'm about to tell you where you can earn really good passive income, right? So now way number one, least risky way to earn really strong passive income in crypto is by using basically a crypto bank account interest earning wallet. So this is a, a custodied wallet, meaning you don't control the wallet, someone else controls it, which can be a good thing, right? Because you don't have to worry about the security, about keeping your, you have to worry about your own personal security, of course, but uh, you don't have to worry about keeping the password and that sort of thing, right? So there's a great wallet uh, that I've been using for years. It's called Celsius Network. Um, and this is basically a crypto bank account, right? So just like your bank, right? When you deposit assets into it, US dollars, right? They rehypothecate those assets, which means they loan them out to your neighbors or businesses or wherever, and they earn interest, right? And the thing is though, they don't pay you that interest, right? They, they pay you maybe like 0.1%, something ridiculous, right? Um, it's terrible, right? And they're, they're making a lot of money on your money, okay? But they just aren't paying it to you. The only difference is this company, Celsius Network and other, you know, while it's like it, there's another one called BlockFi, right? They do the same thing, right? They, they, you deposit your crypto assets, they loan them out to earn interest, right? The difference is they pay you back much more, okay? Celsius Network pays you back 80% of the revenue, the revenue that they make on rehypothecating your assets back to the depositor. Okay, so what that means is, what that translates into is that right now you can earn up to 6% per year on your Bitcoin, okay? If you just hold Bitcoin in there, you'll earn 5% per year on your Ethereum, okay? Anything that you hold in there. On stable coins, okay, I'm about to blow your mind, okay? Stable coins are just US dollars, which you take and convert into a crypto version of a US dollar. So something like USDC, USD coin, is a fully regulated, audited, completely legit stable coin where you, you literally can take the US dollars from your bank, move them into Coinbase for free, convert them to USDC for free, one-to-one, -one, anytime you can convert it back for free. And then you send your USDC stable coin into your Celsius wallet, you earn, you're, you're gonna earn 8.8% per year. Wow. On dollars, okay? And now, and when I'm saying that, so, that stays even, so you don't have the volatility. It stays even with the dollar. I mean, get, correct. Uh, we it don't have to get dollar. started on what happens with the dollar and inflation and all that stuff. Like, right, right. But it stays even. But you can always trade one for one for dollars. Correct. 
Yeah, and I've done it many, many times. So you can take $3,000 in your bank account. You can do the process that I told you. It'll take a few days because of uh, the banking system, right? Once you have it in crypto, you can send things in minutes, right? But to get from the banking system to crypto, it takes a few days. Um, and and uh, so you take $3,000 from your bank. You can make it into 3,000 USDC. You send it into Celsius wallet. You'll start earning 8.88% um, is what it is right now. Right? And that can change. I've seen it as high as 12% sometimes, right? Um, it's based on how much they can earn off of it, right? Because like I said, they pay you back just a percentage. Um, and now when I say that you make those rates, right? Here's some more details, okay? There are no fees. This app never charges a fee for anything, okay? There's no holding period or lockup, okay? You can withdraw anytime you want. There's no minimum, okay? So $1 earns 8.8%. A million dollars earns 8.8%, okay? And they pay you every week, Okay. So every Monday you get, now the annual rate, like I mentioned, is 8.8%, but you're gonna get it in installments every single week. And it's gonna compound every single week, okay? Um, so that's way number one, okay? And, and there's almost, there's very, very little risk, okay? You're, if you have Bitcoin or Ethereum, obviously you're still exposed to the uh, price volatility of that asset, although usually they go up, right? Um, you have some counterparty risk with, this company Celsius Network, but again, they are completely regulated, compliant. They're incredibly transparent. They publish everything they do. You can find tons of information about them online. And by the way, they're not paying me anything, right? I've just been a happy user since uh, they released the app back in uh, 2018. Okay, so I've been using it for close to three years now. I've never missed an interest payment every week, okay? Over 150 weeks. Um, so I'm willing to vouch for them. Um, and, and there's almost no, like I said, there's almost no risk there. Um, it, it's like having a bank. It's just, you're, you're, you're now, you now have a bank on the internet of value where we all control our assets. And so we can demand higher interest rates. Okay. Um, that's how that works. Now, way number two, now we're going to get a lot more risky. Okay. Way number two is you can take your crypto assets. You create your own um, wallet on a network like Ethereum. You can use something like MetaMask, right? You have to make sure that you back up your private key. When you make this wallet, you'll get like a seed phrase, you'll get like 12 words that are a phrase which constitute your password. You write it down, you never share it with anyone, you never type it in online. Never, anyone that ever asks you for it's a scammer, no one will ever ask you for it, okay? So just remember those rules, right? And, and you'll be fine, okay? Uh, you make that wallet, you can have crypto in that wallet. Certain crypto assets, you can do what's called staking them. You can deposit them into a crypto application that will pay you extremely high interest rate in that coin, okay? So for instance, there's one coin I'm doing this with now um, that pays 75%, okay? Mm. It, right now it's paying 75% per year and it's in the coin. Okay, so that's what you have to keep in mind. If the coin goes to zero, 75% of zero is zero. Okay? Yeah. Right. If the coin goes down 90%, not worth it. Right. If the coin stays the same or it goes up, right, you're doing really, really, really well. Yeah, right? If it goes up, you're even compounding. Oh, yeah. If it yeah. goes up, you've yeah. compounded, you know, that plus you're earning 75% per year. And by the way, those types of things, because they're applications in crypto, they pay you every second. Okay, so every second you hold it in there, that APY is getting calculated. It's getting added to your wallet. You can withdraw it at any time. You will pay uh, network fees. So anytime you send a transaction on a public 
um, crypto network like Ethereum or like Bitcoin um, or like Dogecoin, Litecoin, any of them, right? You'll pay a, a fee to the network in order to process your transaction. It also prevents you know people just spamming the network with tons of transactions. Um, is that fee will, where they? Is that fee where they can generate the pay the miners? Correct. Is that having? Yeah. Is the, that, okay. Because I've always wondered about how that. Because otherwise, you're just basically dilution all the time. You know. But if, correct, they're, if you're correcting fee feedback gets in, paid to the miners yeah. uh, now on Ethereum, actually, since the beginning of the month, a percentage of those fees actually get burned. So they get totally taken out of the supply. Um, so fun fact, right? Since the beginning of this month, the, where the upgrade went live, um, we've burned over 130,000 Ethereum. Okay, so that's at, over. At thir- I think it's like thir- three over three grand a day. It's like thirty five hundred bucks or something. We're talking about <laughs> about four hundred million dollars of Ethereum that's been taken out of the supply forever since the beginning of this month. Okay, and it's, and it's going to continue. Okay, so so the, now you've got a counterbalance to when they're they're creating the coins to pay the miners. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, because that, that always that part scares me. <laughs> you know, when I think about that, because if the price doesn't go up, you keep diluting, it's going to tank. But if they're pulling, now they've got a counterbalance to it. That's that's pretty Correct. awesome. As of the beginning of this month, yeah, yeah. they introduced the counterbalance. So, um, so you, you'll pay fees. You got to keep that in mind. Um, but, you know, this, this is how it works. There's one project that I'm earning, I think, 200% APY in, in this staking way, right? Once again, I'm earning it in the token. Nobody knows what this token is worth, right? It, it could go to zero, absolutely, right? And, and the higher the APY, right? Yeah. The Probably the more the, you can assume there's more risk, right? In, in that project. Um, and again, you know, uh, a lot of the time it's just new tokens that are being emitted, like, you know, like we just talked about. And so people, you know, may just sell them, right? Um, so you have to keep that in mind, okay? It is risky. Um, but you can earn, right? If, if you find a project that you like, um, and they have an option to stake the tokens. Um, it's really not uncommon to earn those types of rates. Right? What would be what would be a project that what what would you look for? What would I look for? You mean yeah, what like do you pro- look like for? fundamentally? Well, I just mean like if, for you to choose a, a project because just giant returns obviously doesn't work. Right. Right. So what what attracts you? What do you look for when you're saying okay, this I'm going to put some money to work on this guy, or are you putting them on a whole bunch of them? at the racetrack and seeing whoever finishes first, you know? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I have an allocation of my portfolio yeah. that maybe I, you know, I trade. I'm, I yeah. maybe, you know, I'm at the racetrack, but. But you're a data scientist. So I know naturally. I, you, well, I'm, you, <laughs> well, I used to be, yeah, I used well, yeah, to be a data I mean, scientist. I know, but I, I'm still am very analytical, but, yeah. but look, I, I worked in this industry. Okay. I have yeah. lots of contacts, people that are working on things. I use the stuff all the time i'm doing research every day yeah okay so i am i'm not your average kind of you know retail investor i i that's why i'm have, asking you know you and, and, and not... by the way you know like 95 percent of my portfolio is in crypto okay i'll just really? tell you that i'm i that's a risk i'm i'm willing to take it's worked out quite well for me um I, that's not for everyone right yeah um for most people right and again i work with a lot of people individually you have to understand you know your goals where you are in life your risk tolerance etc um but, you know, I definitely recommend, you know, for most people, probably a 10% allocation or something makes more sense, right? Because um, it is a risky asset class. Um, but if you're younger, you know, if you want to take more risk, if you're more bullish on the asset class, you can go higher. There, there's yeah. no problem with that, right? Um, um, so, 
so yeah, so so when I pick projects, yeah, I mean that that's a great question. We could spend um, hours and hours talking about yeah. you know fundamental research in crypto. Um, but I look at a high level, right? And I get into this a lot more, you know, in some of my educational materials, the course that I'm doing, um, et cetera. But um, at a high level, I look at the use case of the project, right? Is it something that uniquely is addressed, you know, by this concept of the internet of value? I go back to that a lot, right? Are, is this project building something that benefits uniquely from the tech? And it's in an industry that, you know, makes sense, the use case makes sense for the tech, then, you know, of course, is the team is the right team in place, right? Are these guys legitimate? Do they have experience in their industry and in the use case with the tech, etc. Um, then you have to look at what's called it's sort of unique to crypto, what's called the tokenomics, right? So tokens, these crypto assets, they're not stock, okay? They're not equity. Um, they are rather, they can be a lot of things. Um, usually they are a governance um, stake in the network. So you can use tokens to vote on what happens to the business. Um, they may be a claim on revenues for the protocol. Um, so, you know, percentage of revenues oftentimes will go back to, to buy back tokens. So that creates a positive dynamic. Um, they could be just a utility token on the network. So for instance, Ethereum, to use Ethereum, you have to pay transaction fees in Ether, right? So that drives value of Ethereum. The more people that use Ethereum, the more demand there's going to be for Ether, right? Um, so all of these things, every project's different. You have to look at and assess what are the tokenomics? What's the token good for? Because it's not equity, right? So what's it good for? What, what is it? What's giving it value? What's helping it maintain value? Um, then you have to look at um, the competitive advantage, obviously, of the project. The, the crypto is, is fiercely competitive. Um, and, you know, I think that those are some of the main things, right? Yeah, that, no, that's that, awesome, know. man. I appreciate you sharing that because I just, uh, I, I don't know. I want to dive into it with you really hard, but I know we're going to run out of time quickly. So maybe <laughs> we'll have to do another episode because uh, I kind of want to get into the backside of this where it gets a little more just a thousand foot view. But I think for our purposes right now, that works awesome. Okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm happy to, to keep talking about that. Well, we would have to do it another time, but I'm yeah. happy to do that. Well, so I, I want to getting... real quickly though, I yeah. want to give the third yeah, that's what passive income you. option because this is one that I'm probably most excited about um, that I've been using a lot. Um, and it, it's called liquidity farming or yield farming. Um, you may have heard that term thrown around. And so what this is, is literally on crypto, we've had, it actually came to the fore really last year, this concept of a decentralized exchange, which is an application built on the internet of value that allows for peer-to-peer -peer exchange of assets, okay? So any traditionally, and, and think about it this way, over the past several years with the Internet of Information, right, um, we, had, we saw Uber, the company called Uber, become the biggest taxi company in the world without owning any taxis, right? We then saw Airbnb become the biggest hotel company in the world without owning any real estate. In crypto, in the past year, we've seen a company called Uniswap become the largest, or one of the largest, not yet the largest, but one of the largest asset exchanges without own, owning any assets, okay? They don't have any assets. They're just a protocol for exchange of assets. So there's a bunch of code written on Ethereum that anyone can interact with to exchange assets with one another. Now, since there's no 
kind of real company or that there's no you know company that needs to hold the assets like Coinbase or Robinhood or whatever, um, the trading fees go to the people that provide the assets. And who provides the assets if, it, if the Uniswap doesn't have them? Anyone, all of us. Just like with Airbnb, you can have a place, you can list it, you can rent it out. You, are, you get the rent, right? Airbnb takes a small cut. Same thing with Uniswap and other types of decentralized exchanges, what we call DEXs. Um, anyone can, you can use your crypto wallet. You have crypto assets in your crypto wallet. Maybe you have some Ethereum, maybe you have some USD coin, USDC. You can supply those assets to the Uniswap protocol as trading liquidity. And, and so then anytime someone makes a trade between those two assets, ETH and USDC, um, you earn the trading fees, okay? The protocol takes a tiny cut, right? But the, the trading fees that the traders pay in order to trade go to you, okay? And so what this means is that you can earn extremely strong, consistent, passive income through providing liquidity with, with your assets onto this exchange. Now there's risk, okay? So what's the risk? The risk is basically comes from opportunity cost, right? So, and it's, this is a tough concept. Um, it's called impermanent loss. Um, it's a tough concept, but I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to do my best to sort of explain it in layman's terms, right? When you're providing liquidity to one of these protocols, right? Literally, when people make trades, they're trading with your assets. They're trading in and out of your assets. So if I supply liquidity for ETH USDC, and let's say Ethereum is at $3,000, okay? And I, and I'm, and I'm going to pick a range, let's say, of I want to provide liquidity between ETH USD at 2000 and ETH USD at 4000 Okay. And right now it's at 3000 So the protocol is going to ask me for 50-50, right? Since we're $1,000 to the upside, $1,000 to the downside, we're right in the middle. So it's going to ask me for 50-50. So I'll supply one Ethereum and, and 3000 USDC into the pool. Okay. Now, anytime, now let's say you come along and make a trade and you buy some Ethereum for USDC. So you make the trade. Now your trade in a vacuum, right? Raises the price a little bit, right? Because you buy and, and so literally you're giving me the liquidity provider USDC in exchange for Ethereum. So you're putting USDC into the pool and you're taking out Ethereum. So you've bought Ethereum from me, right? And I've earned the trading fee. And now my pool, because the price has moved, has more USDC than it does Ethereum. Yeah, so wouldn't that shift? Because if you, let's, well, in your case, one and 3,000, now you, they've bought your one. Don't you now have a lot more USD and then no Ethereum? Let's say? Right. Yeah, let's so that's okay. what happens in okay. the extreme sense, right? So yeah. let's say now in reality, right, you're in a pool with a bunch of other people. Yeah. So it's not like if you come in buy one Ethereum, you bought my whole Ethereum. You probably yeah. bought like a tiny a amount, fraction. Yeah, a fraction. Right. But let's say tons of people come in and buy Ethereum and the price of Ethereum goes past 4000 where I've set the upper limit of my range. So when I set that range, right, the protocol literally distributes my assets along that whole range. Mm -hmm. So I won't sell my last Ethereum until we get over $4,000. But let's say we do. Okay, now, like you said, I no longer have any Ethereum. It's all been bought from the pool. Now I've earned trading fees, but if the price of Ethereum you know, goes up to $8,000, I would have been better off just holding the Ethereum, right? Yeah, you, you miss, that's, the, that's where your opportunity cost comes in because exactly. you're, miss, you're missing exactly. the upside, but it's more theoretical money you didn't make anyway. <laughs> right. 
Right. So, you just chose to make your money in a different part of it, not if you just held it. But I mean, same thing could go down to one and you'd be the same boat. Right. So, yeah. so that that's exactly it. Right. And, and if the other thing happened, right, say Ethereum tanks. How does it, well, does it rebalance? Yeah. So, so, so let's say Ethereum goes past 4,000, stays there for a few days, and then it comes back in and it comes back to 3,000. Well, now, if it comes back to 3,000, now I once again have one ETH in 3,000 USDC, right? I'm back to where I was, except I've earned all those trading fees in the meantime. And the trading fees I've earned are both in ETH and USDC, right? Because yeah, because you're getting time, paid in coin, right? Right. Anytime you're getting paid in a piece of the coin if somebody traded a percentage in. of that. So yeah, you're you're earning a percentage. Well, I think this is one of the parts of the, you're earning a percentage of their coins that they traded. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And and you'll see if you go on use Uniswap, right? There'll be a liquidity provider fee, you know, yeah. for whatever coin that you trade that gets paid to me as the liquidity provider. Okay. Now, so so what do the returns look like? Okay. So I'll, I'm averaging right now. Um, so it depends, it depends on a lot of things, the return that you're going to get, right? It depends on the volume that's uh, transacted, right? The more volume is traded, the more fees you earn. And it depends on your share of the pool, right? Because the more people are in this pool, it gets distributed in proportion to how much liquidity we're all providing, how much of it is used, right? But, th so there, but there are some pools, right? And, it, and you have to know kind of how to find them. But there's some pools where that ratio is really, really great. There's lots of volume, but there's not a lot of liquidity. So my liquidity position is a large part of the pool. I earn a large part of the trading fees and there are a lot of trading fees because there's a lot of volume. Usually those are more volatile assets. What you can do with volatile assets is you set a really large range, right? So that you, uh, your, your impermanent loss risk, what we talk about is mitigated. It mm -hmm. can still happen, but hopefully your goal, right? Is to over a period of time, earn enough in fees to offset that where, where it doesn't matter. And then you're just totally ahead, right? And so on some of these pools, I've calculated, you know, the, uh, the APY, the annual, you know, yield rate over 300%, you know, over three, 400% sometimes. Um, but it's more of typical. a, it's a, it's, but it's a commission more than it is a, an APY. It's a, correct. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a commission. Um, but, but if it, you're it back passive, in the numbers, though, right? yeah, it, it, it is yeah. totally passive. You, you set the liquidity, you sit back, you can monitor it again. You can withdraw it at any time. Um, and you earn fees. Um, and so I'll tell you, you know, I, this past month, because we're at the end of the month, I like to kind of harvest, harvest all my fees at the end of the month. I'm a farmer. <laughs> um, I I've made over 35 grand this month. Yeah. From from liquidity farming. Okay. And and that translates to, you know, I have a lot of assets in it, but it translates to well over triple digit APY, you know, on those farms. Now, again, I'm not including the impermanent loss risk that can be a bit hard to, you know, the opportunity cost, but in pure passive income, right? Fees I get that I can just then sell into into USDC, yeah, uh, stable coins, right? Where I can and then earn eight percent on those, right? Um, that that's the type of returns we're talking about. So I'm with return, doing with, a class with, on this with uh, returns that high too. though, with returns yeah. that high though, you'll I would imagine you'll see a flood of people coming into it because that's usually what happens, right? Uh, when they start to see this big return. So how much longer do you think in a timeline of opportunity for that is going to be? That's a that's a great question, and I have no idea. Uh, um, so uh, I'm doing my best to eliminate my <laughs> those returns for me because exactly. I'm going around and teaching everyone about how to do that. I'm doing a class yeah. tomorrow in Atlanta that I, I think we'll have over 40 people at. 
Yeah. Where I'm going to do a live demo of this and I'm going to yeah. teach people because I've, I like feel bad, you know, having all the fees for myself <laughs> and I, and I want, and the truth is like, you're absolutely right. But at the same time, I also believe strongly that volumes on these decentralized exchanges are only going to grow. Well, that, yeah, that's assuming the pie stays the same, right? The amount of transactions. Exactly. It's not so, a zero sum game. Yeah, so exactly. as more capital comes into the space, which I think it will, and there's more trading volume, um, it'll get offset, right? So I think the yeah. opportunity is going to be there definitely for a while. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't know about 10 years from now or, or even five years from now, frankly, but I think over the next few years, um, it's definitely going to be there. And all it has to do with volume. So it's also really great right now because you know there's a lot of volume, everyone's trading. Um, if we get into a bear market and everything crashes and no one, you know, people don't trade as much in that environment. So it yeah. may go away, yeah. but you know, you'll, you'll see that it's all very transparent. You can see how much volume is, is getting done. You can see how much liquidity is, is locked up. You can see any, anytime someone adds liquidity, you can, you can see it, right. Because it's all on the public ledger. It's on the blockchain. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and I don't want to overhype it, but if you, let's say you made a hundred percent, you know, in a, in a, as an, uh, recalculated as an APY and you've got, you know, $20,000 in a savings account paying you 0.1%. I mean, you're talking about a thousand months. Yeah, exactly. So, right. So you do like, have one. Yeah. I mean, you compare it to that, right. Right. Savings account with 40 grand in it. It's going to point 0.1%. You're getting 40 bucks a year. Right, yeah. it's $3.50 a year and for I'm lending sorry. that money. <laughs> I, I have to say this for the, for the listeners. If you have a savings account that's paying you 0.1%, please, for the love of God, just take it. You don't have to invest in crypto. Just put it into stable coins, okay? <laughs> and earn eight, and earn like 9%, okay? I'm, I'm telling you, it works. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. And I mean, I would tell you, as with anything else, this part of you know the conversations that we have on the show is for education so that they can say, you know what? at least let's pull the, the, the curtain back. And I really, I, I, listen, Shahar, I really appreciate this conversation for the fact that you haven't sold anything for yourself in this entire conversation. You're just in an education period. And so you can tell that the way that you're coming from this is to say, hey, look, like you just said, like, dude, I kind of feel bad that I'm collecting all those fees for myself. Like, it feels almost unfair, right? So, but, but you know, that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, it's so... It's so techno babbly strong that it scares the crap out of people. So, you know, it's a lot like it's a lot like IT or a lot like SEO or those kind of things where like if you know the language, it's maybe not nearly that scary. And there's a lot of opportunities in there. The problem is there's a lot of people that come out, throw big words out, and it's for one thing, which is to sell personal gain, you know, and and, and that part. I think has got I, I, that's the muddy part. I think we're figuring out that the legitimacy of these are coming to the forefront and there's just a lot of opportunity. You know, I would tell people to like, you know, do, do what you feel comfortable with risking. But like, if I'm a kid and I've got a couple hundred bucks, like I'm only bet what you're willing to lose will be my yeah, best, absolutely. my best piece of advice. But you know, there may be an opportunity in there to do. And one other thing I would say on this, don't ever use leverage if you don't know what you're doing or you can't lose it. Okay. If you don't even have the money and you have to borrow it to leverage it, don't do it, please. You don't. But, yeah. And, and, and you don't need leverage in this no. space, okay? Things can, you know, we're talking about, a like we said, you know, we're, we're in the early stages of this. There's tremendous opportunity. You don't need leverage. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why I tell people. Yeah, you know, no, I've I never used leverage. Yeah, it's not a good, it, well, it's, it's how you get caught. 
right? It's all fun yeah. when the waves yeah, are going yeah. one way, but when the water goes back out, it's a guy holding leverage, it's gonna lose it all and yeah. more the, because the I, was in, I was in that thing, boat, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, the most important thing in investing and especially in, for, you know, high risk investing, investing in crypto is, is stay in the game. Yeah. Um, and, and so what the, you know, I've, I've seen people really mess it up. The, the way people really mess it up is they take on leverage and they blow up. Right. Um, I know people that have been in crypto since 2013, right. That, that were buying Bitcoin at triple digits, right. A few hundred dollars. They have no reason not to be retired, like super retired, right. Not like, not even retired, more like me, but like, like really super retired. Right. And they're not because they traded on leverage yeah. and they, and they, they messed up. Right. I, and I, th that's a real story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, yeah. that's, what, that's why I wanted to say that. So that's, but I, man, listen, I really appreciate you going through these and kind of pulling the curtain back and talking to it in, in, a, in a normal of kind of sense and uh, coming from the educator side of this thing. And so I, I'd love to have you on again. This is such a fascinating topic that I was, I've been, I've been very much in the cautious side of the world, but I, I've really kind of followed along and taken notes as I'm talking to you because um you know, I, I just appreciate that. And so if people want to find out more about what you're doing, uh, who should come find you? And then where do they find you at? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're, you know, if, if you're interested in crypto, you know, you're curious, um, but you don't know where to start, or you feel like Cody just mentioned, I think very eloquently, you know, kind of scared or cautious, right? Don't want to make a mistake, which is very legitimate right? Um, then definitely come find me. Um, uh, this, this is what I like to do. I've been doing it for years. Um, I've worked with lots of people, people of all different backgrounds, all different economic, you know, um, uh, uh, situations. Um, but you can find me at roadtobabylon.org, uh, which by the way, I, I named after one of my favorite personal finance books, Richest Man in Babylon, uh, which is a classic. Um, roadtobabylon.org. There's tons of free resources on there. I'm also doing the one thing I will sort of sell is, uh, is, is I'm doing a, a course, uh, which I'll be releasing in the next month. Uh, it's, it's very close to being uh, finished. Um, and that course is going to be, you know, over six hours of self-paced content, all short videos, watch them whenever you want, um, of everything that we just talked about and much, much more everything from, you know, the nitty gritty of how this stuff works to, you know, how to think about investing in it, how to assess risk, how to create a portfolio that makes sense for you um, and how to kind of stick with it over the long term, right? And all of the things to watch, right? Things to watch for in the future, what's going on in the industry to pay attention to? Where are the great opportunities? How do you do fundamental research? Something we touched on, right? And then how do you, you know, and, and then a bunch of kind of tips and tricks I've picked up, you know, over the years as well. Um, so once again, it's over six hours of content. Um, it's called the Complete Crypto Investors Toolkit Course. It's for longer term investors, um, or at least I'd say medium term investors. It's not about how to, you know, make a million dollars next next week. Um, and it also, I'm also going to have like a Discord group for that. So anyone that, you know, is interested in the course, right, they can join the Discord group where you can always can get direct access to me, ask, ask questions all the time, be in a community of other people that are, that are learning. Um, and that's what it's all about. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for that. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to do, you know, my, my local education work is starting to pick up here in Atlanta um, uh, with, with classes and that sort of thing. If you happen to be in Atlanta, listening to the show, please 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter also at Shahar Abrams. Um, and, you know, please uh, send me a message. If you're here in Atlanta, you can come, uh, come to the meetups uh, and we have a lot of fun. And I appreciate that. I've, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed kind of scratching the surface with you. And I know there's so much more underneath all of this. And so, um, listen, head to road to Babylon.com. Look up Shahar, uh, road to Babylon.org. Uh, you know, the real deal coming from somebody that's actually come from building in the blockchain industry on the, on the enterprise side, and then coming into the retail side, which is a much better path than a lot of people that have been out there that are, are pushing things. This is, you know, an understand, a fundamental understanding as opposed to, uh, you know, hodl and, <laughs> and, uh, and to the moon. So, <laughs> so, Hey, listen, I appreciate it very much. Thank you for being on money talkers with me. Thanks so much, Cody. Thank you for listening to another episode of money talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids' financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker. <laughs>